Report recorded live on Jupiter's third largest moon, Callisto. He's a winner, not a beginner. His pockets get fat, others get thinner. Your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It's me again, Icy Robots. I'm not a hero. I just sacrificed to make your life a bit better each and every week. And this week, it is going to get a bunch better because we have a special presentation. It's going to be a bit off the norm. We're not going to talk so much about toys as much as we are going to talk about the freaky deaky place that I go every week looking for stuff, the dig. We are going to check into a bunch of different things. We're going to see, like, what is the dig? We are going to take a peek at some of the weirdos who hang out there and what they hope to achieve. It's going to be a super fun show, but we also have a review. We're going to take a peek at a movie I saw last week called Ex Machina. All right, Iceberg 13, DJ Bot, kick the ballistics. My pleasure, sir. Kicking the ballistics now, sir. I am Refrito Bandito. I just find out if Frito Bureau investigation looks for me. I am a bad man. I steal many bags of Frito's corn chips and eat them all myself. I never touch a Frito that does not belong to me. You don't believe me? I show you. Oh, it is true I love Fritos mucho because they are so good to chomp on. A little salty, a lot crunchy. How many people here got the bag of Fritos with them right now? Raise the right hand. Nah, senores. If you just raise the other hand... Stay tuned for a Toys R Us report. Special presentation. Scarecrow and Mrs. King will not be seen tonight, but will return next week at this time. Adventures at the Dig. The first question we gotta tackle on this long endeavor is what is The Dig? The Dig is a store owned by the chain of thrift stores known as Goodwill. The Dig is their outlet store. It is where things go to die. It is the last stop before the dump. The basic idea is that things get sorted out and sent to the stores. And then after being at the store for a while, they're plucked out and sent to the dig. And when items reach the dig, they are at the point where they are sold for pennies on the dollar. You can really get some good bargains if you are willing to hang out at the dig. But here's the catch. 95% of the things there are garbage. The other 5% is nice selling items and over the years I have found many 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 cool useful and sometimes collectible things but you gotta sort through the garbage that's there to get to it and besides the garbage you gotta sort through you have to fight with other people people who are super desperate to make a buck to get your hands on anything that's cool but that is part of the fun it is like being on a game show here is what makes it like a game show what they do is they fill up these long blue containers full of stuff and every once in a while they wheel them out And when they wheel them out, they make everybody who's at the dig stand behind a line. Then they do like a on your mark, get set, go 
walk and everybody runs as fast as they can over and starts digging through the stuff. People scratch, people bite, people headbutt, people kick, punch, knee, elbow, Muay Thai plum, whatever you can think of to get their hands on anything that they can sell or anything that they want to keep. It might sound gross to you, but I assure you it is fun. If you don't mind getting your hands dirty, if you don't mind getting bloody, if you don't mind getting scratched, you can come out with really neat things. I've seen people leave there with boxes full of Star Wars figures, old figures. I've seen people leave with boxes full of collectible whatever. There are really good things there, and if you can get your hands on them, you're going to be paying nickels. You're going to be paying nothing. You can leave with a giant box of stuff, and they will charge you maybe 3 or $4. I've seen people leave with G.I. Joe USS flags and only pay $5. It is a treasure trove if you are willing to put in the time and you are willing to bust some heads. So that's what the dig is. Okay, right now we're going to take a bit of a break and take a peek at a movie I saw the other week called Ex Machina. Okay, Iceberg 13, hit it. Yes, Captain. I shall play the boom bat break. Playing it now, sir. Check one, two. The return of the boom bat means just that. It means the return of the real hard beats and toy chat. Another silly sucker wants his champion belt. But like a microwave these days, he make him melt. He never crossed over, never went pop. You know ISR will give you real toy talk. In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? Hello. Did you know that I was brought here to test you? No. Does Ava actually like you? Or is she pretending to like you? Nathan isn't your friend. You're wrong. What will happen to me if I fail your test? Ex Machina. Ex Machina is the story of a rich billionaire type who invents an artificial intelligence and then hires another dude to come in and see if the AI is as good as he thinks it is. It's more than that, though. It dabbles in the idea of what is consciousness, what makes an artificial intelligence a real intelligence, like, do you have to be organic to have a soul. That sort of thing. That area has been covered a lot. I do have to say though. That Ex Machina is a fantastic movie. I thought it was very intelligent. And it goes over stuff that other people have gone over before. But in a very interesting. Very entertaining way. I'm not I'm not getting across what I want to say here. This is a good science fiction movie. It's an adult science fiction movie. And it succeeds on a couple different levels. It's thought-provoking, and it's also entertaining, and also it's like a bit, uh, a bit on the sensuous tip. So it's kind of like a, a sci-fi date movie. Uh, what, what I liked about this was that it's science fiction, but it wasn't science fiction action, which is awesome. There is a bit of action, but it provokes thought. It reminded me of Gattaca. When I was sitting there, I was thinking that the tone is similar in that there is just a lot of talking. A lot of walking around, talking, and kind of philosophizing about things. I'm trying to recommend this movie to you, but I think that in actuality, I am doing the opposite. And that's, I, I apologize for that. Go see this movie. It's a lot better than I am making it out to be, and I believe that you will enjoy it. It gets the ISR, it gets 11 thumbs up. One more than the normal 10, 11 thumbs up, go see it right now. Hey, this is Michael Bell. 
The voice of Duke on G.I. Joe, and you're listening to the Toys R Us Report. Yo, Joe! Make sure to visit VirtualDirtMall.com and support the Toys R Us Report with a generous purchase of some retro or not-so-retro junk. Maybe a Ghostbusters action figure or a Star Trek Pride hat. It's really up to you. VirtualDirtMall.com you won't be sorry for long. More dig talk. I have been going to the dig for a long time. I have been going there before it was called the dig. It used to be called the bins, and then somebody wrote a newspaper article about it. A friend of mine actually wrote a newspaper article about it, and in the article they called it the dig, and ever since then it's been known as the dig, and that is what it's known as now, but... I have been going there long enough that I kind of know it as the bins. Back in the day of the bins, the bins were even crazier than the dig. One of the things I remember about the bins was that people would come, hang out there all day, and a lot of them had babies or small children, and what they would do with the babies or the small children is they would find a blanket. They would find a blanket on the textile side of the bins, and they would, they would well, they would put their baby on the blanket with some toys they found at the dig and leave them all day there while they did shopping. The whole middle area was rows of baby blankets. It was the weirdest thing. I could not believe that they would let this happen, but I was younger then. And, you know, even now I'm not the type to complain, so I would never say anything about the baby blankets. But I did think the, the baby blankets were, I did think that they were a bit, uh, a bit weird. The whole place was a lot less safe. There were bins, like I said, it was known as the bins, and but there were also stacks. They would stack clothes and other materials on the ground in big piles. They would bring out the bins and they'd flip them over, flipping the merchandise onto the ground, and then they would take the bin into the back and reload it. I have said that word too many times, and I apologize. I'll try not to. I'll try to think of a synonym. I will try to think of a word I can use instead. But for the meantime, they would flip them over. And whatever was in there would get scattered across the ground and people would go dig through the piles. It was weird that they called it the bins. It might have been a better name to be the, uh, the piles. But from a merchandising standpoint, the piles isn't really a place that you would want your company to be known as. So eventually, they did improve it, get more bins, and start loading the things into, you know, these large, uh, plastic containers. Instead of on the floor. It's interesting to look back and think that the way that the dig is now is actually a safer, cleaner, more customer-friendly version of the bins. Because the dig does not seem all that safe sometimes. If you were an outsider just walking in, it, it does seem as if it's just a bunch of felons loafing around digging through garbage. And in actuality, that is what it is. So you're not too off point. But it is safer than it used to be in the days of the bins. Now, I only go down there once, maybe twice, sometimes three times a week. There are other people that hang out there all day. The dig opens at 8, closes at 3.30, and there are people waiting outside when uh, when they open. It is beneficial to be there that early. I have never been able to get there at that time, but uh, all the bins there at the beginning of the day are new merchandise. So it's, you know, if you're there early, you can run in there, get your hands on all the freshest, newest stuff, which would theoretically, you know, it's advantageous to your uh, shopping experience in the sense that, you know, you're getting the first 
look over at the stuff. It's the early bird gets the worm kind of thing. I don't sweat it though because they bring out new material throughout the day so there is more in the morning but there is stuff coming throughout. I look at it like this. I think that there is enough garbage to go around for everybody. Some people though are there enough that they start to form groups. I would not call them gangs but much like prison these groups are formed along a racial divide interestingly enough. There are three major sets and then a couple smaller subsets. The three major sets are the white gang, the Caucasian dudes, the black dudes, and the Mexican dudes. The Mexican dudes are by far the biggest gang and also the least inclusionary. Some of the white gangs and the black gang, they have uh, people from other races going in and out, but the Mexican gang is all Mexicans all the time. Realistically, though, I don't believe that the reason for that is racial. I think it is a language barrier because my wife speaks Spanish and she'll go over there and chit-chat with those dudes from time to time, but when it comes to me who doesn't speak Spanish all that well, there's not a lot of chit-chatting going on, nor could there be, I guess. It's not racial, it is cultural. Anyway, the white dudes are all, they're all kind of like skatery sort of dudes. They wear uh, baseball hats with the fronts flipped up, denim jackets, baggy pants. They kind of got that juggalo skater dude from the 90s thing going on. I guess this, if you were a juggalo in the 90s, this is where you work now. You work at the dig and the flea market and such. I don't know, I don't know if that's the right way to put it though. I don't know if they're skatery types. They're kind of like the dudes who would be in Suicidal Tendencies. Do you know that band Suicidal Tendencies? The dudes who were in that band and now have grown into uh, adulthood. They might skate, but they're heavy metal dudes who had skateboards, not skater dudes who sometimes listen to heavy metal, if that makes any sense at all. The leader of this group is that dude named Tim that I talked about from a few episodes back. It really does seem like Tim leads the way. When he makes a joke, they laugh. And then not only do they laugh, they all start making similar jokes. This guy, Tim, he is a real dig taste master. A real dig taste maker, rather. He makes a taste, and everybody also imitates the taste after he's done pooping it out. That group is sort of my least favorite group. They kind of act a fool. They think they're really funny. They're not so funny, but they like to act as if they're the class clowns of the dig. And then there is the African-American group. There's maybe like five or six of these dudes, which is kind of a lot considering the makeup, the racial makeup of the area that I live in. There aren't a lot of African-American fellows around here, unfortunately. And the ones who are tend to be literally Africans. We have a large Ethiopian population in my town. So when you do see an African-American fella, he is more than likely a actual African, African African-American. This group is kind of hip-hop-y style. They kind of wear like Adidas sweatsuits and everybody has a Bluetooth headphone. You know, one of the one-ear kind for the phone, not like Bluetooth music headphones. Even though they do sometimes wear, they have like the Beats by Dre or maybe they're the knockoff Beats by Dre kind of headphones. I haven't gotten close enough or am interested enough to see the logo on the side, so it could go either way. There's a few of these guys, they kind of stick to themselves, even though they do sort of congregate around the white fellas sometimes, they're friendly, I don't have any beef with these guys, they're, they tend to be quiet, they aren't a troublemaking set, they're just in there looking for the stuff, playing fair, being polite. One of the dudes, the biggest guy, and being big is advantageous at the dig because there does, it does sometimes devolve into pushing and shoving. And the biggest guy out of their group who could really get in there and get some good stuff, he has kind of a... I don't know what you would call it. He has anxiety. He doesn't like to be around other people in a close proximity, so he doesn't rush in there 
with all the other fellas. That's like having a big blocker. Like a really big blocker. You got like Refrigerator Perry out there blocking for uh, Walter Payton. But Walter Payton can't get the good runs because the fridge has uh, crowd phobias. He's not like the fridge though. He's not fat. He's a big, tall, skinny guy with a really great wingspan. He could be one of the all-time greats if he could just get over his phobias. This group of dudes tends to go for electronics. I don't know if they have some kind of a hookup to sell them at a good price or whatever, but they grab just about anything that looks electronical. They grab it by the handful, stuff it in their bags. If they see boxes, they will grab the whole entire box and then go sort it out later at the carts. I don't think I talked about the carts. The cart is like your home base. It is a standard run-of-the-mill blue Goodwill shopping cart, but it's where you keep your merchandise when you have too much to carry in your arms. All the carts are lined up against the wall and what people typically do is they put a blanket or a sheet over the top to keep other people from rummaging around in their stuff. It doesn't stop them though. You have to go over there frequently just to make sure that everything is where it's supposed to be. It's not the most honest environment in that sense. Things go missing all the time. Just the other week, we had an older lady try to walk off with our entire cart. Luckily, the old lady saw her because I was too busy out there in the trenches throwing elbows. But she saw her walking off with the whole thing and stepped to her. My wife is not, she's not timid, but she's not the kind who's going to step to somebody. But when she saw them taking off with our stuff, she was in there. She was all up in her grill. It was really weird to see. She told her like, what are you doing? This is our stuff. You know, she gave her an out to kind of say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. But she came with the like no this is my cart so my wife you know gave it to her she's like this is our stuff I will tell you everything that's in that cart under that sheet and she started naming off stuff you know she's like there's a Teddy Ruxpin there's a Cabbage Patch Kid Kusa there's a Barbie doll in there what do you think is in there and the lady said uh uh you know she couldn't think of anything so she just you know played like oh I'm an older lady and I didn't you know I didn't understand how it works here at the dig even though we've seen her there many a time before but in the end we got our card back win one for the good guys my wife came through like a champ the final group of dudes at the uh, dig is the Spanish speaking contingent and this is the group that we kind of know the most about because my wife is buddy buddy with a bunch of them she likes to get any chance she can take to practice her Spanish so she goes and she chit chats with them all the time these guys tend to be flea marketers at least five of the dudes we see there on the regular are all regular participants at our two local flea markets one of them only sells in sebastopol the other one only sells in santa rosa but we do see the other ones kind of flip-flop back and forth one of the fellas that we know there his name is pollo like a chicken he specializes in toys he will go for any toy that he can and he has a pretty good table at the flea market. It's just a giant mountain of toys. All like loose action figures and things of that sort. I have found a lot of good stuff over at Poyo's table. I don't remember the name of the other fella, but he also goes for electronics, but like home electronics, like vacuum cleaners and things of that sort that people would be using around the house. Home aids, you know, kitchen aids, blenders, any kind of appliance as opposed to like stereo stuff. Even though he does go for the stereo stuff too, he tends to specialize in appliances. My wife has talked to this guy and he told her that he makes between $750 and $1,000 per day at the flea market. And I don't know, man, that seems like a lot to me to make selling broken vacuums and things of that sort. But that's what he says and you know, I hope he does. I really hope that he does make that much. Anyway, we've been going on for a bit here about the posses over at El Digarino. Let's hop into a uh, piece of video cassette history that I have. It's a... Uh, somebody here shot some footage at the dig of a drop being dropped 
so you can get an idea of what it sounds like when they bring new merchandise onto the sales floor. Alright, let me dig through my tape for a minute. I gotta... Man, I can't find it. Hold on one second. Is it this one? It's one of these. Here, oh, here it is. Let me pop it in. All right, we're good to go. Take off. We're here today at the Goodwill outlet in St. Louis. And this is, um, I really wanted to get footage of this because this is like something I've never seen before. Um, so they bring out these big bins and I'm going to show you these. And then, after they get done bringing all of them out, people line up. And then, when they say that they can go, people okay. like dive in and attack stuff. It's yeah. it's yeah. crazy. So I just really I wanted to get footage of this. And you then when she says, oh, there we go. Yeah, that's pretty much what it uh, what it seems like, but we don't get sirens all the time. It's not all that often that they call in the police. Usually, it's a lot of pushing, a lot of shoving, and sometimes people get sent away for the day, only to return again anew the next morning. When I say that there is pushing and shoving, I don't mean that there is full-on MMA contact or anything of that sort. What I mean is there is jostling. A lot of posturing, positioning, that sort of thing. It is more akin to a basketball game than it is to a fight. Oh, let me tell you a story. Let me give you a quick story about what uh, what goes on during a drop. First, I'll tell you what happens, what the basic idea of a drop is. Even though we did talk about it a bit earlier, I'll give you a basic idea of what a drop is share to you the inside details, and then give you a, a small tip that you would have figured out for yourself given a day or two at the dig. But here we go. Um, they make everybody stand behind a line, and when they wheel out the new bins, they go past the line of people, and everybody leans forward and tries to get a look into, uh, what treasures might be readily visible on the top of the bin. There are five total, no, there are six rows of items at the dig, all the way across, and they will pull out one row, one entire row, and replace it with new merchandise, and they make sure to put a gap between the two. They'll pick one on this side, one over on the other side so that the people don't clump, but people tend to work in teams, so everybody, like, you'll pick which side you want to go on first. You pick which side you want to go on, your homie picks another corner, you both watch them go by, and you try to subtly signal to each other what you saw without other people seeing you signal, but everybody's signaling, everybody's pointing, and in more likely than not, everybody's pointing at the exact same thing. Like just the other day, a car rolled by with a really nice, really expensive, a uh, remote control helicopter right on the top, but it was in the box. So everybody saw the box go by and pointed at it. They all did the subtle signal, but everybody was, was looking at the expensive remote control helicopter, but it was in the box. And here's one of the things you got to learn. The people in the back will send out empty boxes. They, for example, will get an Apple computer and they will send out the empty Apple box and everybody will run and try to get to the Apple box in hopes that maybe there is a laptop inside of there or an iPad, even though there never ever is. It's just the people in the back having, you know, having a, a little fun with you. 
I know this, so I never go for the boxes because there's never anything in there. If they had an iPad or if they had a uh, Blueberry Mac, they would keep it. They would sell it. They're not stupid. At any rate, the helicopter went by. Everybody pointed. Everybody saw it. This was a, an item that crossed all the groups. So when it came time to go, people were booking like crazy. They booked like crazy. The white skater guys got it, and then they got over there, and there was not a helicopter in the box. I told you so. But even as much as I told you so, I do have to admit that I, I wanted to get my hands on it. I saw it. I wanted to see what was in there because I have a small remote control helicopter and I do want to move up to a bigger one. And I saw it and said, hey man, this might be your chance. This might be your big time to get one on the cheap. Wasn't meant to be. I didn't get it and it wasn't even there if I did get it. The merchandise drop is the big deal at the dig though. That is what everybody's there for because you just don't know what's in those bins. I have seen people pull really, really nice things out of there. I myself have pulled great things out of the bins. Just the other day, I pulled out a preamp. A preamp for a stereo. It was just a, a small knob on a metal box. In the box with the instructions looked like it had never been opened. I grabbed it, I thought it looked cool, went, looked it up, sold it the next day for $375. I, it was great. It probably cost me a quarter. Great score, grocery money, all sorts of fun stuff was done with that money. And all it took was me grabbing it out of there, taking a picture of it, putting it up, got the money in a couple days. It's awesome. The dig can be so awesome. But the drops are the big deal. And they do them, mm, Maybe once an hour or so, sometimes more. I think it all depends on how many people they have working in the warehouse. The store itself is situated in one side of the Goodwill's regional warehouse. The warehouse is maybe three quarters of the building and the store is a quarter. It's, it's pretty big. I don't know how many square feet, but it's a big building. It has bays for five giant delivery trucks. You know, the bays where the big door pulls up and the truck pulls into it. They have five of those situated with a store, and then on the other side of the store are some offices. It's a giant building, but the merchandise comes in to the warehouse. The people offload it into the blue bins, and they pull them out. I believe some of the people back there are volunteers, and some are employees, and when it seems as if there's only employees, the bins come out once an hour, maybe sometimes even slower, but if they have a bunch of volunteers helping out that day, you can get them coming out every 20 minutes. Sometimes that happens, and it's super great. The dig is so weird. It's totally fun, though. It's just like being in a game show. Because when in your life are you doing something, and people go, go, and there is a potential to get great prizes at the end? That's a game show, minus the show part. It isn't, I, but I have thought that it might be a fun public access show. We have a public access channel on one of our cable systems. And I think it'd be kind of fun to do a show sort of like uh, auction hunters or whatever, but have it be like dig dwellers and come down and film the weirdos and what they're doing every day. I guess I am one of the weirdos, but I'm not there every day. So I believe that makes me less of one. I'm just an occasional shopper. But I think that dig dwellers on community access could be, it has the chance to be a regional hit. Maybe I should do it. Maybe I should do it, but I, who has who has time to produce a TV show on top of all the other weird things that I do? Okay, guys. We're going to come back with one more segment on The Dig. We're going to talk about some of the weird people that work there. And then we'll come back after that for the Toys R Us report itself. Okay, let me dig around here. Hold on. Hold on. Can you hear me still? Hold on. I got a tape. Sorry, I should have had that ready to go earlier. But I got a tape. Let me pop it in here real quick. And we will be right back with another segment. Another chamber. We are calling them chambers. They're not segments. So we will be back with another chamber. And then another chamber after that. Let me take you all inside the mad. This man is a good 
go up in there and check this out real quick. Everything we got books over here. Oh, couch right here. Somebody bought it. I'm gonna talk about it. Over here is where the money at, though. Got big old blue beans full of clothes. Lots and lots of clothes. I'm going to have to disagree with my dude. I don't think that the money is in the clothes, I think the money is in the wares. That's where I focus my attention on the wear side, but there are dudes who just go in there and look for clothes, a lot of vintage clothes dealers, my wife, she always digs through the clothes, she finds stuff for herself, she finds stuff and gives it out to uh, my daughter's friends from time to time, you know, she, she sees a cool shirt in there and she'll grab it and bring it out, if she sees something that she thinks somebody might want, she finds like cool rock shirts, she found like a Thrasher magazine shirt and gave it to this kid, she gave some other kid a Pink Floyd shirt the other day, I'm sure they're happy to have them, to them they're like super cool, super retro, super neat shirt, maybe not though. Maybe we're just some weird people who give people things that they don't even want. Maybe they toss them in the bush once to leave the house. Oh, I don't think they do that. I probably would have found them out in the bush and I haven't. They probably take them home, put them in a pile, never wear them again. Why am I stuck in this loop of uh, negative thinking right now? I'm just going to go with the idea that they're happy to have the shirts. They wear them all the time. The world is a better place, all thanks to my nice wife. Yeah, we're going to move on here. I think the last topic I want to talk to in regards to you about the dig is the the people that work there. The people that work there are super weird, super odd, just, uh, just like the people who hang out there. In general... I think that the Goodwill hires people, but they also are on the lookout for people who might have a hard time finding jobs in other places. Developmentally disabled people, people who lack job skills, and that's great. Everybody needs something to do, so I'm all for that. But it does not always give you the best shopping experience when you're at a Goodwill store. That's cool, though. I can understand. People have to be trained, and I'm willing to put up with a lot to see people turn into better citizens. At any rate... When you have a high-pressure place like The Dig and you get people who might not have the full uh, faculties that somebody else does, it can be, it can, it, bad things can happen. Not necessarily bad, bad, but it can, it can be a hard thing for a lot of people to deal with, I guess. Working at The Dig, working around the screwballs that hang out there and just with all the screwy things that happen, it's a pressure cooker. It's like being inside a pressure cooker and from time to time, the employees blow up. The employees are always yelling at people. They get people together as a group and they scream at them. It, I don't even know how to take this. I, I don't care. I can see that it's somebody with a small bit of power using it, <laughs> using it to kind of know, get their kicks. But I can see how it could be upsetting if you were there every day. But every time I go there, at some point, everybody gets lined up for the dig, uh, dig drop. The ladies will walk by and they will give it to you. They will give it to you about every minor infraction you can imagine. Not individually. They're not pointing at me and yelling about stuff. They will get everybody together and scream like, You guys need to make sure you pick up stuff that you drop and blah, 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 blah. One time, I remember people were, uh, they were taking a peek into the bins as they rolled past. And the lady yelled at everybody not to look. She's like, you guys can't look anymore. I don't want to see you looking. And if I do see you doing that, we're going to find some kind of container to put over the top. So you won't be able to see inside the bins at all. She, we were told we could not use our eyes. I, st I still use my eyes. I, I do admit that I infracted in that way. But what am I going to do? I might bump into somebody. I have to use my eyes. What other weird things? They have this deal with the carts. 
All the carts are lined up along the wall. That's your home base. We talked about that earlier. But every couple hours, it might be every hour and a half, everybody has to take their cart and face them a different way as proof that you are still there with the cart. It makes sense, but it is weird how they do it. They will come out, they yell at everybody, they scream at everybody that you're going to lose your cart if you don't turn it. I'm not getting across how much they yell. They really scream. You will have not been screamed at like this since gym class. For some of you, you will never have been screamed at like this. This is full on top of your lungs yelling about how you have to uh, maneuver your cart. What I really feel is going on is that they have a job and that they are just taking the job a bit too seriously. You're to be applauded in a way for taking your job seriously, but like a lot of dudes with security type things, they, they go overboard and it's focused. It's cool. I can feel like, man, I, I, you know, I know where you're coming from, but I don't want you yelling at me. Over the years, there have been a few super notorious taskmasters that I'll talk about for a second. At one time, the first one, and this girl was really bad. She was so bad that we quit going. We didn't go for, we didn't go for years. When people were lined up, every single lineup, she would go down and she would yell at you and she would scream. She even did this thing where she had a, like a, a yardstick and there, there is a physical line on the floor. It's a real, like, across the room, like, uh, Les Nesmith's office. All the way across, and she would go by with a yardstick and tap on everybody's feet who were past the line. I, I'm not going for that. I always made sure to have my feet behind the line because if she hit my shoe, it would be on like Vietnam. I don't want to get tapped by some weird girl with blue hair. And here's another thing. She had a snake. From every once and again, she would bring a snake with her to work. And as she was going down the row, she would she would actually have a snake around her shoulders. This is real. I'm not making this up. She had the snake with her. I don't know if it was like a uh, security snake or what do you call it? Like a comfort snake? I don't think that you can have a reptile as a comfort animal. I do believe I heard somewhere that that is not allowed. But she might have snowed him at the Goodwill to needing a security snake. I didn't like her. She... She left. I believe I heard she worked at a pet store somewhere, but that lady, that girl, she was a girl. She would yell at everyone, and she also spoke Spanish. So she would go through one time, scream at everybody in English, repeat the whole thing in Spanish. That's one of the things about when they yell the orders now. Half the room doesn't know what's going on. When my wife is lined up in a different portion as me, she says that the Mexican dudes over there ask her, what is she saying? What is she saying? Because... They, they know that she's, you know, bilingual, so she translate these, like, rants to them. I would like to get that on tape one time. I want to hear her, I want to be able to hear what her translated rant is. Do you think that she goes into the full details of everything that they're saying, or do you think she just kind of hits the bullet points? I'm going to say bullet points. She probably, you know, gets it down to where they're saying, like, Oh, she says uh, to walk, or she says, you know, stay behind the line instead of the full on. I'm sorry, I did not mean to yell in your ear like that. I, I'd been holding it in for a while. It finally had to come out. The second one I'm going to talk about right now is Tammy. Tammy was crazy too. Tammy was nuts. Oh my gosh. Uh, Tammy, it's not going to be very different than the first story. Tammy would yell, Tammy would stomp around, Tammy would yell. It's not that different than the first story. I don't know, let's try to think of some details. Tammy had a more drill sergeant kind of thing. She liked to march back and forth in a real, uh, real militaristic fashion. She would march up and down the line, up and down, back and forth, really putting on an exhibition of her, uh, walking maneuvers. And one thing she liked to do, they'll bring out the carts and the command to go is walk. 
It's always walk. Everybody who brings stuff out always says walk. Tammy would come along and go like, okay, when I say the word, the magic word, wa, wa, when I say the word, and she would, you know, go in a, a way like that where she would tease the walk for the longest time. And, you know, I don't care. It's a little childish, but... That's just what people do. But a lot of people got really offended by the way that she would kind of power trip on everybody. And some of the dudes who hung out there started like a a writing campaign, a letter writing campaign that eventually got Tammy transferred to a whole nother store. Nobody knows where that store is. I go to every Goodwill in the region to, to shop from time to time and I've never seen her. I've never seen her anywhere. What's weird is she lives up around the corner from me. So I see her sitting on her porch a lot. She has a cute, a cute uh, dog, small little puppy. Anyway, the dig is weird in that way. They, they really make it difficult, the shop. I would think that with this kind of stuff, in a way, we're doing a favor to them by taking this stuff away. It doesn't have to go to the dump. I'm not saying that they should pay us to do it, even though sometimes I do think they should kind of pay you. A lot of this electronic disposal is expensive. What I do think is that it's a mutually beneficial relationship. They're helping us, we're helping them. Maybe they shouldn't yell at us so much. All right, let's move into our final VHS tape we got here. Oops, sorry, I think I I dropped dropped the one. Hold on. Got it. Okay, here's our final VHS tape of the day. I'm going to pop it in, and then we're going to come back one last chamber, the Toys R Us report itself. This piece is a bit uh, a bit longer than normal, so just sit tight. I think it's pretty informative. Uh, be back in a bit. Say that you can't get prices cheaper anywhere than at a Goodwill store. Well, we're going to go you one better. We are at the Goodwill outlet stores. Well, here at this Goodwill um, outlet or salvage store, they weigh things, so you can your clothes are weighed by the pound. Because if you get really thin things, you could really save <laughs> some money. That's great. Rex, thanks for letting us eavesdrop on your shopping. Right, Appreciate welcome. it. Got good some good deal. bargains there for sure. So where does all this stuff come from? Well, if anything that's been in the stores for five weeks or so, they bring it here. And then you'll find things like one boot, you know, where's the other one? Or wine glass. I mean, I think it's fun. This is just great. I I just love it. It's the thrill of the hunt for sure. You just never know. I mean, look at this. Who knew? knew? Little stadium seat That's right. And that's a good shape. Well, they're changing it out all the time. I mean, throughout the day, they'll move, like these tables are on wheels, and so they can roll them in and out. Um, So as as people pick through it, then more stuff is back in the back, and they bring more out. I was surprised to see couches at 4 and $5. Right, and some of them are kind of tired looking. Um, And, you know, with most of the the buy-the-pound stuff, the more you buy, the more you save. Like 50 pounds, then things are even cheaper. You know, volume buying is the deal here. Definitely, and it's a fun place just to come and explore. It's kind of like a little treasure hunt. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment. Your weekly toy shop update. The Toys R Us report. But dudes, I want to thank you guys for sticking in this long and hearing all this dig talk. I got more though. We're going to have to come back for dig, dig days, maybe a uh, dig life. Dig life part two. Expect that sometime in the future. But at, right now, this isn't the future. This is the present and we are right in the middle of garage sale season. Garage sale season is great, but it's also hard. You got to get up early. The early bird gets the worm. You got to be out there. This is like a California thing, but we don't have to get up that early. I hear people say on the East Coast that they're out there at 5.30, 6 in the morning. Around here, nobody sets up to 8.30. 
So being up at 7 or 7.30, getting out there, you know, getting started, getting your donuts, getting your coffee, and getting ready for the road. You usually make it by 8.30, and that's when people are setting up. But that that's early by California standards at any rate. So we got up, we got out there, and we got going. We hit every garage sale in my town yesterday. We were out there for hours. Many hard hours, driving laps around, eating donuts. I ate an Egg McMuffin, and we got some good stuff. Eight out of maybe even nine out of every ten garage sales are bunk, but every once in a while you roll into one that's really great, and this week we got the one that was just fantastic. It was way up in the hills near my house. It was an older lady whose husband was an antique vendor, and sadly he passed away, but most of these things you do have to admit you're going to be getting because somebody passed away, so it's just, it's a part of life, passing your things on to other people, but the fella had passed away, and he had many a barn in the back full of stuff. Most of it was glassware, which isn't really my thing, but my wife is nuts for it, and she got fiesta glass. She got all kinds of great bowls and cups and many things that she liked, and I myself got a whole bunch of big box horror movies. Let's take a look at a few of them. I got Film Gore with Elvira. It is uh, murderous movie moments from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre snuff. 2000 Miniacs, Driller Killer, Blood Feast, and many more, hosted by Elvira. That sounds cool. I got uh, Terror at the Opera by Dario Argento. I have not seen that, and I am looking forward to checking it out. And then I got this one, One Night Stand. This one is out of print, and I'm going to get it back into circulation. Horror isn't necessary my necessarily my main area. I'm more of a sci-fi guy. So I'm going to check it out. I'm going to get it back out there. I hope to net maybe 40 or 50 bucks, which is... That's good money for a videotape. I gotta admit, a videotape costs a quarter, and anything above 10 bucks on the resale is pretty nice profit percent-wise, not so much dollar-wise, but it's cool to get a tape that was gonna go into the garbage, into the hands of somebody who is going to savor it. I also got a bunch of 50s toys. I'm not a 50s toy guy. I like the 70s, mostly the 80s. But I got some neat Daniel Boone toys. I got some survival kits, some guns, all kinds of cool stuff. She had lots of board games. It had all just been out there. And a lot of the paper on the things had rotted. But anything that was plastic was good to go. And like I said before, there was a lot of neat glasses and things of that sort. Do you remember when 7up did the Uncola campaign? Computer, bring up that Uncola commercial, please. Roger. Quite a good episode today, sir. Oh, hey, thanks. That's cool. Nice of you to say. Did you find the commercial, though? Here it is. And when you put it all together, it's Uncola. And that's 7-Up. Everybody knows. The idea with the campaign was that 7-Up was the Uncola, that they were, like, the opposite of Coke. Anyway, what they did was they put out these, uh, these glasses, these neat glasses that were upside down. They were the opposite of the normal um, V-shaped Coke glass. They were more heavy at the bottom, thinner at the top. I found a set of those. The guy had cases of them. They're not worth all that much, but they are going to be neat in my pop culture drinking glass collection. Yes, I do have one. I have a bunch of old consumer glasses, superhero glasses. I don't know. It's fun to drink out of fun glasses. Why have boring glasses when there are neat glasses out there to use? I apologize for using the same word so many times in a row, but there's only so many ways to say a glass container that you drink fluids out of. It's not a cup. It is, in fact, what it is. So at any rate, I got a bunch of those, and I'm going to use them. I think they're really cool. I dug that campaign. I was a mark for it. I switched. Now I drink 
almost always Pepsi, Diet Pepsi. But at the time, I remember we were a Coke family, and the campaign got over so big that we did switch to 7-Up for a while. Truth in advertising, it is in fact the Uncola because it's clear, whereas Coke is brown. So, we got that, we got a bunch of fun stuff. Overall, the garage sale day was only successful because we found this one. If we didn't find this one, the whole day might have been a clunk. And Toys R Us was again a clunk. We are seeing some new Age of Ultron figures. They had some Age of Ultron Titans, Titan series, you know, the bigger ones. But overall, it's the same old, same old, same old. They still have not got any of the Sabine or any of the new Rebels, Star Wars Rebels figures. And I'm, I'm really glad that I found the one I wanted at Colts because if I was just looking at the Toys R Us... By this point, I would be insane. So thanks for uh, thanks for the hot tip on that one, Willie. Because for real, I would never have gone to Kohl's looking for toys. I would have gone to Kmart, Target, Walmart, Toys R Us. All the places like that would have hit up multiple Toys R Uses in search. By this time, I would probably be rolling all the way to SF looking for the Sabine. So, you know, you saved me a lot of time. So thanks for that. All right, dudes. I want to thank you all for tuning in so far. And I got to say... I need your support. Go on over to supportthereport.com and help out the show by donating. If you get even a little bit of enjoyment out of the show, drop by there and, you know, give me a quarter. Give me a quarter per episode. It all adds up. You know, we got some server fees going on and, you know, it's cool to get any kind of support we can get in that regard. Anything you give means longer shows, more frequent shows, just all sorts of fun stuff and all you got to do is promise a a small donation per episode that comes out check it out at supportthereport.com that is that's your second best way to help the show the first best way is to go on over to virtualdirtmall.com and help us out with a generous purchase of some retro or not so retro junk but beyond doing that also check out supportthereport.com. That is a Patreon website. And I don't know, Patreon is a new thing. If you you promise to help us out on a per episode basis, you become a patron of the show. And if you enjoy the show, and I think some people might, I'm beginning to get the idea that there are some people out there who actually do derive a bit of enjoyment uh, from hearing me talk about various things and such. So if you happen to be one of those people who enjoys hearing me talk about the various things that go on on a day-to-day weird basis in my weird life, just, you know, be a patron. Be a patron to the arts. Art is what our community gives toward the future. And in the future, when the Toys R Us is considered to be the greatest podcast in the world, even more so than it is now, you can say that you were on the ground floor. You can say that you were there when I was only on Jupiter's Moon Callisto, not broadcasting off every planet at the same time through some incredible exonet. At any rate, guys, we're going to get out of here. I think that we have talked about enough stuff for the day. And what else is there to say? Toys R Us Report, episode number 33, signing out. Dig life. If you don't know, now you know. Recorded live on Jupiter's moon, Callisto, this has been an IC Robots Radio production.